0: Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? It's good to gather. We need to gather. We've been doing this really amazing Bible study so far. It's already been amazing. Uh, On Tuesdays at 7, we've been just gathering around the table like we used to do in our home, and it's been so good. Um, God's people have to come together. We have to be together. We are one. We're one body. We have to join, not just physically, but in spirit as well. We need to be one spirit, one body and one spirit. In fact, that was Jesus' last prayer. I pray that they would be one as we are one. Talking about him and the Father and the Holy Spirit as the oneness in God, said that he prayed that we would be that same oneness as a body, A, and B, one with him. Right? We can't just be one as a body without him. It is one with him together. And so it's just, I just want to pray one more time. Lord, I thank you for that. I just thank you for the constant reminders, Lord. Lord, for your body. We just pray for the body right now, Lord. The body of Christ, even all the churches across this valley, Lord. We just pray, Lord, for a unity of spirit. Lord, you would unite us in a way that only you can, Lord. We're not uniting in church function, church style, church musics or any of the the natural things lord but in spirit lord we need to be united to be one body and i just pray lord for this church and lord for those that have been hurt or wanted or, or just distracted or pulled away by genuine distractions lord i pray in the name of jesus for them we just bless them and we pray for them they are part of this body and we lift them up to you lord and bless them in jesus name amen i just felt called to do that and So it's good to be here today in his house, isn't it? And I just felt this week, the Lord made it clear this week for me to go right back in to what we've been preaching on these last two weeks. I felt like I needed to do it again, one more week. And let's just go to the book of Luke. Book of Luke and Jesus said uh, some things to us sometimes that are soft and some things that are sweet. And he said some things sometimes to us that are um, right to the point. Some things he said in parables and some things he said uh, straight behind the scenes. And I love when uh, I don't have to think too hard to figure it out. I mean, I love the depth of it too. But some things Jesus just says that there's really nothing, there's no other way for you to... Uh, interpreted except for exactly what it says. Everybody's trying to reinterpret everything, right? We're reinterpreting and making all kinds of new religions and new Jesuses and so on. But Jesus said something in Luke 18, and I think it's exactly what it says. Luke 18, and uh, we've been reading, I read the parable uh, the last two weeks in a row. You can go and listen to that. I just want to read verse 8. Luke 18, verse 8, he says, When the son of man returns, everybody say, when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Or we can, let's pull it up in the new King James. Luke 18, eight says, when the son of man comes, will he really, and I think this is even more accurate, will he really find faith on the earth? We are in a faith deficit, church. Church is becoming more of, and I just started the sermon with the, the emphasis on how important it is to gather, but it's becoming more of a gathering place and a social club than a place where God is glorified and we come together to truly believe God for each other and for the issues in our lives and that God's actually still God and is going to do something. There are so many things I've been thinking this week about. I saw a couple of um, motorcycle guys, you know, driving down the road with their colors on, right? Their leather vest and their colors and they're heading for a ride. And that's great that they do that. But it's so funny. Isn't it funny? It's almost like... uh, like children, that they have to now go do bad stuff together, right? But you can't go do bad stuff with us unless you ride a motorcycle. Like we're gonna be a gang and we're gonna go do bad things, but if you don't have a specific type of motorcycle, in fact, you can't ride with us. Isn't it funny? But it's actually worldwide, it's a huge organization, organizations, plural, right? we know the most famous ones, and they gather, there's loyalty, right? There's a brotherhood, they even do what's ironic, good things for communities, (laughs) that's ironic, and yet, where's Jesus in that? Obviously, Jesus is not in that at all, is he? Jesus told us that in the last days, it would be hard to find faith, that people would start to do things. He says in Luke 18, in this parable, people would start to do things in their own strength. We can see as a picture of the whole word. They start to get off and they start doing their own thing, their own things, right? We have the seven churches in Revelation, where Jesus does still, he loves them, he blesses them, he, t- he encourages them, in fact, and tells them if you change, if you correct this area in each of the churches, right, it'll still be okay for you. I still have a plan for you, but I needed you to correct some areas because you got into this and you got into that you started doing things in your own th- strength and so on. We today, if we're not careful, could just become a club, we could just become a club. This is what we do. We gather on Sundays. There are plenty of Christians that don't do that today. They don't even do that. The devil has just been sifting the church, sifting the church, sifting the church, sifting the church in this time, right? It's, it's becoming, as I said a couple of weeks ago, the church is actually, since I was a kid, the statistics have not changed, but they're actually dying. Statistically, the church is actually in decline, even though we have new believers every day, more people are leaving the church or have left the church than are coming in today. And that's been a statistic around for the last 30 years in decline. If we are not so careful, not just careful, but we have to literally be, as I, we preached last week, we have to literally fight for our faith. We have to be tenacious. We have to be really aggressive about this faith. I started to say last week, if you are not fighting for your faith, like Paul tells Timothy to do, right? You're already losing because you have an enemy that is, all, is fighting you all the time. And he does not care how he gets you. If he could just get you to go do a good thing or a bad thing, it doesn't really matter as long as it's not in faith in Christ, And that's a slippery slope. At first, it seems okay. It seems good. It seems like, okay, we're doing good things. We're doing Christian things. We're gathering for Christ. And if we are not like really, 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 really careful, if we are not constantly before the Lord, if we are not constantly uh, before God in his word together together, seeking his face, you can very quickly, and we can see this throughout the history of both the Bible and the church. They get off, right? Who is aware that the church has gotten off more than once before, right? If even if you are in this building, right? I don't knock other denominations ever. I never name other denominations, but if you are sitting in these chairs, in chairs and in comfy clothes, it's because we've had, Multiple reformations. And, and, and so there, some of those things are just natural things, like clothes doesn't really matter, but some of those par- points to that ref- those reformations were that there were some errors, right? There were errors that had crept in. Who's aware that there were errors? But you know, the day before the errors were addressed, things were going on as they always had. Things that were just going on as they always were. The devil had lulled many to sleep, just many to sleep. And then finally, someone must have read a verse like this and says, Lord, I want the real Jesus. I want the real Jesus. I don't want religion. And, you know, you could do religious things and not be religious, right? We can do, we can, you can be in a religious environment and not have a religious heart, but we don't want religion we don't want to just go through the motions. We don't just want to be a club. And Jesus warns us very clearly here that when he comes back, it's going to be hard to find faith. And not just faith in Jesus, because that, that is already, as I've been talking about the last two weeks, that's already uh, less than, at best, 5% of the population. At best, less than 5% of the population are Christians. At best which is already sad, and we could say that Jesus was just implying that. But I think that there's so much more to it that, that Satan is just trying, and if we're not careful, he's just going to box us into our corners and just get us into a lulled state, get us distracted, or whatever the, the plan is. Every single person, you know, he's got a different strategy, but just get you anywhere but in faith in Christ. And it's we have to be careful just to, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm kind of like, I'm trying to get started here, but I'm getting my wheels spinning, so I'm talking about a few things at once. Are we making any sense so far? We have to be careful that we don't just say, I do believe. Because we looked at in James, it says that basically, so what? That's basically, if we were to put it in 2019 language, so what? So you believe. The demons believe too, and they tremble. But there was a working to their faith that James says is required, isn't it? In fact, Abraham's faith was completed. We looked at that, right? That it was a completed. There was a completion to his faith by his action. His action brought that Faith, uh, it, it's what was in his heart already, but then it had some fruit, right? It blossomed, and the action showed what was already in him. It's almost like trying to talk about something that I can't explain, <laughs> because it's such a subtle thing. This is such a subtle Behind the curtain thing, the devil is subtle, right? The Bible tells us to be aware of his plans or his devices, his ways, his schemes, his trappings. He is subtle. He's got nothing but time. He doesn't live in the bracket of time like us. He has seen your granddaddy's granddaddy's granddaddy, and he's seen uh, their character flaws and their issues and stuff that really gets your culture and your race and your region, right, and, and your uh, sex, and all these things, until finally when you get to be the point where you're being kind of beat up a little bit, don't be confused, and don't be surprised, because he already knew he's not God, right? That's why we turn to God, and then God is greater. God squashed Satan like a toothless lion on the cross, right? Like a, the scorpion and the serpent. Everything that the word tells us is under our feet. But only in Christ, in your natural human strength, you will fail every time. And so the thing is, we come to Jesus and we say, I believe. I believe in you. The devil loves when people say that. You say, what? devil loves when people say, I believe? Sure, because... That could easily be just another another way to get people off. I know this sounds crazy, but just bear with me just for a second before it sounds like heresy. Just bear with me. Whether you're riding a motorcycle with a leather vest, going with the intention of doing nothing Christian and nothing Jesus and bad, or you say, I believe, and now you think, it's all good. I believe, it's all good. All the guards come down. Because we go, well, I believe now. So we just let all the guards down. We become loose. We become, they become, you can easily just become sloppy. Come on, those, you know, it's easier to get people saved that are bad people, hurting people, broken people. The world would accuse that of just being the fact that Christianity, like most religions, are just preying on weakness, and I just disagree strongly. It's because the broken, the hurting, the bad person knows they are fully aware of their need for Jesus, but sometimes the good person, who's not actually good anyway, right? Jesus told us that very clearly, that there's no one good, no, not one. The good person, though, doesn't realize their great need for Jesus, And sometimes we could come and we can just say, I believe. And we say, now God's got it. Okay, God, you've got it. Now I'm just going to leave it there. You've got it. And I'm just going to go live my life now. The gospel is so much more than that though, isn't it? And when you really, really start soaking in, people say, well, I don't love the Bible. I just love Jesus. But if you just soak into Jesus' words, he tells us things that I don't see, unfortunately, in so much of Christianity today, like tenacious, give my life to the very end, take my life, take my blood, if that's, what it, if that's what it takes, mock me, accuse me, hurt me, abuse me, make fun of me, put me on a cross, and I'll still forgive you while you're nailing me to the cross, that type of Christianity. We don't see that. What we see is, I believe, and we don't... Now listen, we got to be careful about judging, so don't, think, don't start thinking of people in your life. More, But think of the actions. They say they believe, but I don't see any fruit in your life. Just because you say you believe doesn't mean anything. I know that that's super straight and that's super, super sharp, super sharp, it's like beyond our, it's in a stupor, right? Thank you, Lord, for just a little bit of humor in there to help me here. Help me, Lord, soften that a little. Jesus said, Will I find faith? And you know what's interesting is when he was with his disciples for the three years he's with them, he's constantly asking them that very same question Why don't you believe? Where's your faith? You don't believe by now? He's showing them so many things and so many things and so many things. And even they, even he goes to the cross. And I've been just, I listened to the gospels while I was working on audio this week, um, just to, uh, to really just, I just want to hear Jesus and their encounters. I want to hear it like a story, not just read. I want to listen to it. Let me just listen and let, my, let me just picture this whole moment, and, and it's so clear. Jesus tells them clearly, I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to come back. I mean, he told them beforehand. So then he goes to the cross, and Jesus is gone. Like, just totally. We can't judge them, though, because that's human nature. Right? We believe you today. We don't believe you tomorrow. We believe you tomorrow. We don't believe you the next day. Right? Who has had a really good Sunday in church, but by like Tuesday, if not Sunday afternoon in the parking lot, you're already, your faith is waning. I mean, that right there should be proof that this is something you really have to be proactive about. And I I said last week, I don't know that it's true because I didn't live in other times, but I feel as if this time is much harder than ever, and Jesus tells us in the last days it would be like that. So it makes sense, although we don't really know, but it makes sense that we're in the last days. It makes sense because it is so hard to keep our faith up, isn't it? And I want you to be cautious not to have faith in faith. I'm not talking, you know, that you need to be super Christians that have faith in your faith. I'm talking about faith in God. As soon as we get into fear and worry, you know, it's so simple, our gospel. The second you worry, the second you fear, the second you do that, even though your mind says, no, that's not true. Let's go to the word. That's what the word says. You are telling God, I don't trust you. My faith in you is decreasing. Because Jesus said so clearly, I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. And even they, I mean, as beautiful as they are, they're not, I clothe you better. I watch over you more. How much more over you? Why do you worry? Why do you fear? The moment we do that, we're basically telling God, I don't trust you. We don't need to stay there. We don't need to be condemned there. The moment you feel that then, right? we just come back and say, Lord, forgive me, I trust you again. And you know, sometimes that may need to happen 1,001 times in a day. Sometimes you have to do that all day. Lord, forgive me. My faith started decreasing from a second ago. I believe you. And then it decreases again. Lord, I believe you. Is it making sense to anybody? Is anybody, you know, I'm not saying like I'm the pastor, so I need to be better or higher than you. But as the pastor to this little church, I've been feeling like a bombardment. I'm talking an all out nuclear missile strike against our faith. I won't give up because I just can't. But so strong, I've been feeling it so powerful that it literally makes me in my natural man, want to say, forget this whole thing. I just can't do it because the Lord loves us so much. His Holy Spirit is there equally fighting for us, pleading As what Romans 8 tells us, right? That he's pleading for us. And that's what the word says, that even Jesus is pleading for us, right? Not just on the cross and in the blood, but even present day, he's pleading for us, praying for us even now that I can't, but I, I'm being honest with you, completely transparent, just completely transparent with you, but I've been feeling that. Now, if I'm feeling that, then I started to think, wow, not that like, wow, he's the pastor, he used to be above the church and nobody in the church should, can reach his level. But I just thought, man, if I'm feeling that, then maybe some more people in this building are too. Devil's after your faith. And he comes in sly. He doesn't come in head on. Because as you start walking with Jesus for a while, you see him coming head on. You're not going to let him come head on, are you? Once you start walking with the Lord for a while, he's got to come in subtle. And he just starts whispering little lies to you. I mean, I don't know what that is for you, but maybe something like God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. God forgot about you. Are those people... Those people don't care about you. He'll use the church, say, like, the church doesn't care about you. They don't love you. When's the last time they called you? And then, even though that little lie sounds like it has nothing to do with the love of Jesus Christ on the cross, that little lie will get into some people's souls and literally cause them not just to leave that church, but leave Jesus altogether. Who has seen that happen? Such a stupid little subtle lie. And it was a lie to begin with, but nonetheless, Somebody thought, Tony here doesn't care about me. And then a year later, shockingly, I don't even walk with Jesus anymore. They don't even seem like they're connected. But that's what he's been up to. I'm here to warn you that we need to be on guard. We need to be on guard like never before. There is an all-out assault to try to get you whatever it is, just distracted, get you frustrated, get you fighting. And he uses natural stuff. For me, when I go to work, I might be in the sun. It might be the customer. It might be the climbing of the ladder gets me tired or whatever. And it seems like, well, that how does that How does that affect your faith in Jesus? But then meanwhile, what happens when we start, when you get tired and you get cranky and you get frustrated? What happens, right? Who's ever thought about somebody in love, 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 but then all of a sudden when you're cranky, now all of a sudden I start nitpicking, Tony. Does anybody else nitpick when you get into that place? So is it possible that just through very natural, normal circumstances, now I'm not going to leave you there. This is not all the devil. Just bear with me. Listen to the end. Is it possible that he's driving you into frustrating, uncomfortable, etc., 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 circumstances, to get you in that place so that now you'll actually, the lie, you would have never received it, right? You're on cloud nine with the Lord. You have an amazing worship time. You're with your brothers and sisters. We have a, a big church picnic, and it's amazing, and everybody loves everyone. We have an amazing worship, amazing service. He's not going to lie to you that day and get in. But now, suddenly, the lie starts creeping in and coming in, and you start listening, which is crazy, Nonetheless, it happens to every single one of us more often than it should. Now, I'm not, why I'm not going to leave you there. You know what the Bible tells us? I'm sorry, I do have a sermon here and I have a lot, I have a lot of verses that I fully intended to get to, which I'm going to read some more verses, I promise. But the Holy Spirit just got some things apparently he wants to say. Didn't plan on saying any of this. Meanwhile, Well, we're in that place. Do you know what the word tells us over and over and over and over and over and over again? We just sang it in one of our songs. I'm weak, but I have strength, right? What does Paul say? Paul actually says, I love weakness because when I get into weakness, I found Christ in that place. So he's like, if that's what it takes to be closer, more intimate with Christ, I'd rather be, I'm paraphrasing, weak all the time. I'd rather just live in weakness because that's where I find Christ the most. The word shows us over and over and over again that when we get into that place under the pressure, in the fire, in the frustration, etc. And you can go through every character. You can go from Genesis all the way through. Even John uh, and Revelation, even though he's writing a letter, if you understand what the circumstances he was in while he's writing that letter, most of us wouldn't be writing that letter. <laughs> he's exiled on Isle Patmos, had just been tortured for Christ, writing a love letter for Jesus. Every single one of them had to choose to trust God or lean upon their feelings and their hurts, and their frustrations, and let them get the best of them, right? And we see both characters in the Bible. We see those that didn't do so well. And then we see those that trusted God over and over and over again, and God got them through, don't we? That's the word. That's the Bible from beginning to end. Is it possible that God is allowing? Wow, I want to go somewhere else now. you ready? Is it possible, because God is great, God is above, come on guys, just bear with me. Is it possible that God allowed the devil to push you into those places so that then you could actually see, A, who you really are in your humanity, not that you're going to stay there, right? Who the devil really starts, if you'll turn to God, then you start to see his devices, his plans, purposes become really clear, right? And then gives you a way out. As the word tells us, he doesn't leave you there, right? He doesn't leave you in that place, but gives you a way out every single time, a way of escape every single time. Is it possible that God's allowed it so that we would turn back to him? Is it possible that he did it to help us with this very verse that Jesus says in Luke 18, 8, about having faith? Because you know what happens? When I have the strength to do something, I don't ask God to help me. Is anybody in here like me? Am I the only one? You don't do it intentionally. I'm not saying you're like, God, I'll show you. Tony says he did that already. He's got a cane on the front row. (laughs) Is it possible that Jesus says, it is so important, I care more about you. I love you so much. I care for you so much. That the fact, you having faith is so important not just have faith to do things, all right? I mean, you realize that when Jesus did things and when the disciples did things, like that's all that, when we, as soon as we go to the word faith, that's all that people think about is faith is doing. Faith is not doing, all right? Faith is being. Faith is believing God. Jesus didn't have to try. Come on, <laughs> think about this. Did Jesus have to try to heal someone? And when Peter fully gets it, when he has his revelation of Jesus, when he just, his, the end of himself, his denial of Christ is over, and we're in the book of Acts, and when he goes to heal someone, do you think that Peter dug down deep and found faith? Or do you think that Peter just reached out and healed the guy? Because he came to a place of being, not doing. He came to a place where it's like, listen, I'm not going to deny Jesus again. You want to take my life? Take my life. He came to the full end of himself. You can say, you can do whatever you want to me now. I don't care about me. He came to the end of him. And you know what happens when we come to the end of us? Jesus, finally. Come on. Everybody say finally. He finally gets to shine through us. It wasn't invalid the moment that you prayed and said, Jesus, come into my life. I'm not discounting that when you said, I believe. I'm just saying that when you said you believed, you said, I surrender my life. I repent, which means I'm going to turn from this life. I'm giving you this life. I surrender my life. And not just a sweet prayer that you said at a pulpit, but the entire picture of what Jesus was and who he was and what he told us to do, what he said it was to be saved which is pick up your cross daily and follow me, give everything. The rich young ruler, he's like, I've done all the law, the religious things. I've done the law things. And he's like, okay, well then just sell everything you have and come follow me. That's not that hard. (laughs) Just sell everything you have and come follow me. That's the only thing you haven't done. And it says he went away sad because he had many possessions Do you think his faith healed many people? Was that really the problem? People would be judging him, you don't have faith to heal. That's why you can't heal because you don't have faith. No, we've got a problem internally. We've got an internal problem. The faith to do, you don't have to try. At the point where the doing happens, come on, let's just be realistic that we're human and God is God. And the doing is not you anyway. So what are those restrictions? What is all those restrictions in our life that keeps the doing? God loves us so much that he says I'm going to deal with all the restrictions in you that's keeping you blockaded, but the way the process I'm going to take you through to get you that you're not going to like it. Because it's a death. It's going to be the end of you. I'm going to kill some things. Who likes dying? Anybody in here love death? Why don't I see a show of hands? When the end of flesh happens, the end of you happens, that's when Jesus really shines through us. Jesus asks us the question, when I come back, and let's just put it in in even more. I'm going to take a little bit of liberally... Something word there. Take a little liberty. I don't know what, wow. Two, three different phrases at once. A little bit of liberty here and say, let's just, you can call me heretical. I don't mean to be. Let's just talk for Jesus. And he says, listen, guys, time is short. Time's running out. It's just wisping away. And I'm concerned that you're wasting time still living your life when you said that I could have it. And I love you so much that I'm going to allow some things around your life that you're not going to like. I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to put some, allow some pressure on your life because I care for you and it's not about you but there's some things that need to come up out of you as well. I need to I care for you, I love you, but also you have a whole circle, a whole world around you that you were meant to touch for me. And right now you're giving them too much of you, so I'm going to have to get rid of some of you. And when I get rid of some of you, that's going to be painful. But after the pain, there's going to be some glory. Come on, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, just be aware that I don't even have a place to lay my head. You really want to follow me? Because the Son of Man doesn't have a home here on earth. Remember? Everybody believe that these verses are in the Bible. You can go back and check these verses since I'm not giving references because I know his word, but I can't tell you the reference right now don't judge me. Holy Spirit's just speaking. I guess the Holy Spirit can't remember the reference either. (laughs) That is a joke. That is a joke. Holy moly. That is a joke before I get run into the parking lot. Holy moly. (laughs) Nothing holy about moly either. Sorry, that's my humanity. He loves us so much. I do have a few verses here. Let's just, just look at some of these verses. And We looked at Timothy, and he said, you have to fight for your faith, and he warned him. He actually warns him, and then he warns him again in 2 Timothy to stir it up. you got to stir it up, and it's not trying to flesh it up. Come on, you can't flesh it up. You can't try to do it in your own strength. You know how we stir it up? You don't go run around and do a million things. You do just the opposite. You stop doing everything and you go and you get the heart of God again, right? That's how we all came to Christ. Did Anybody come to Christ running like Superman across the earth? Or did everybody come to Christ exactly the same if you came to Christ, which is completely broken? And if you didn't break, then you're not saved yet. That's just the truth of the word. Did you break open and say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Because that's the word. It's a good word, too. It's good news. Because then life comes, doesn't it? I don't know where I was going to go with the rest of that thought, except that what Timothy was telling him is, listen, that's right. You need to stir that up. You need to stir it up. We laid our hands on you and set you out there. And I know that things have been tough and he gives them some warnings and they're dealing with some things in that church. It's just like they were dealing with all the churches. But listen, you don't lose your faith. In fact, he even tells him, he's like, don't let them mock you and, and don't let them despise that you're young. Come on, he's giving some things like encouraging them, encouraging them. Timothy, keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Come on, we don't, we're not gonna give up. And the way we don't give up is not take your vitamins and get a good night's sleep. Those things are great, natural things to do that we need to do as natural humans. I need to do that more. Maybe then we'll be less tired. Maybe we don't need to go try and make money so much and just rest in the Lord some more. I know I'm just throwing out some practical things. That's, that's the least of it. But if that's the place the devil gets us, then maybe we're doing too much of the run all right, if that's where the devil gets all of us, maybe we're doing too much of it. Maybe we're not resting, like literally resting, not just resting in spirit, but literally resting enough. And I'm not talking about being lazy and quitting your job, but maybe we're not resting enough. You got a lot of commercials today, church. A lot of commercials. They're all good, though. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's good, isn't he? Isn't God good? Doesn't he love you so much? Just come on, know his love. We just read this today. If you're doing our reading, we're reading the Bible together as a church, which is so good to literally, as I've been saying, get on the same page as a church. And we just read these this to, this morning. If you read them, you may be reading them later. But uh, we're in 1 Corinthians right now as a church, and we've been just reading two chapters a day. Could, I encourage you to do your own reading as well. But as a church, we're doing that. And we read 1 Corinthians 15 today, and it says in verse 1, he says, Now let me remind you. Let me remind you, verse 1, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You hear what he just said? I want to remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. It's not a new news. It's not a new revelation. This is not some new thing. This is just the good news that I've already preached to you. I want to remind you. It says in verse 2, it is this good news that saves you, or the New King James says, by which you were saved, right? Also you were saved. It continues in the NLT. It says, if, everybody say, if you Continue to believe. Come on, let's just read this together. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Isn't that powerful? Come on, it's not just me. I didn't come in here with my opinions and and my feelings and my thoughts. This is the word. He said, I'm reminding you of the good news that you already believed, it says you welcomed it, and now you have to stand firm in it, verse 1. You welcomed it then, stand firm in it. And the New King James, you might know it as hold fast. Hold fast, it says in verse 2, the New King James. It says, I preach to you, right, this message, And I'm telling you to hold fast to that message unless you believed in vain. So some people could believe in vain. Some people did believe, right? I just believe, right? They said a prayer. They said, I believe. And that's it. There was no fruit ever. Not that I'm the judge of their fruit. Only God is the judge. And honestly, that's between that person and him on judgment day. I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here to judge them. I'm just saying that the word says that we're going to see fruit. And here we see in 1 Corinthians, it says in chapter 15, that if you were saved and if you believe the good news, he felt it was important to remind them to think about it again. Did you hear that, church? It's important to think about what you believed once or maybe you believed in vain. I think that's interesting to note that he tells us maybe you didn't really believe but if you believed, continue to stand firm in it. And it says, if, and that, that is so important. And it says the same thing in the New King James NLT. It says that in all the translations, this word, if, or some sort of a conjunction word, uh, a conditional word, right? This word, if. It is so important, if. If, 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 by which you were saved, if, everybody say if, you hold fast. The NLT says, it's the good news I preached to you. You're welcome to then stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you, verse 2 in the NLT, it's the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. That's the word. I just read it to you in traditional text and new English. That's easy to preach from. But they both say the same thing. If you continue or if you hold fast. Continue. You have to continue. And Paul tells him to do this because they were already a church. They were already believers because they were facing the same exact struggle that you face today, the same struggle that Jesus warned of, which is that the moment that you say you believe, the devil, if you, maybe he'll just get you to camp out in that belief space, right? Now, we've talked about this. Movie stars, act, you know, actresses and actors and musicians, and maybe they're all really saved again. To be honest, at the end of the day, it's between them and God. But I certainly don't read my word and see a believer standing there. Right, who believes everything opposite of the word, but says, I believe in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this touchdown, or thank you, Jesus, for this album, when the album's about Satan. I mean, to be blunt about it, right? Am I the only one that has, that has seized that? So just because you say you believe, so there is a belief in Jesus that, listen, we need to be serious about this thing that we said we believed, and something that we're standing firm in, and we're continuing He says in Hebrews chapter 10, something very similar, Hebrews 10, it actually it says this same thing. It's not just like, I'm not just cherry picking one verse here to, to prove a point. I mean, the word is the word, but it says it here again. Even if we had to go by two or three witnesses like the word tells us to do, well, here's Hebrews 10, verse 35. Everybody say, so, another conditional. <laughs> do not throw away... This confident trust in the Lord. Everybody say, don't throw away away. the confident trust in the Lord. How do you throw something away you never had? What is this verse saying to us in Hebrews 10? It was something they had. You can't throw away what you don't have. You can't lose what you don't have. Am I the only one that understands this? We get this, right church? don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. And then it says again, this other word, remember the great reward it brings to you. He's not telling him for the first time. He's not preaching the gospel to the unsaved. Remember, as in like, you already know this church. Come on, I'm reminding you it's this important. It's so important. And I have more text you could come to me after, but in Hebrews 3 and 4, right? He compares this to the Old Testament, to the children of Israel, how they, God does everything for them, and they keep not believing him. And then he does more for them, and they keep not believing him. And then they, he does more for them, and they keep not believing him. And he tells them, and finally in chapter 4 of Hebrews, that they have no peace, they lost their peace. And we're the same if we don't believe him. They didn't share their. They didn't have their faith. They didn't believe, and that's in Hebrews three and four. I encourage you to read that on your own time, or be glad to talk to you more about that later. But for sake of time, I'm just going to keep going here in chapter ten. So it's a it's a subject he's been talking about through the book. It's not just mentioned here suddenly. Hebrews ten. It's not out of the blue. Like okay, what are you talking about here, writer? Why is it, why all of a sudden are you turning this? I don't understand. He's been talking about this. He already told us back in three and four. That we needed our faith. We needed to be serious about our faith because the children of Israel were not. They doubted God, walked away from God. They believed him once, then they don't believe him tomorrow, then they believe him again, then they don't believe him, but that we must remember, as in something that you already know, remember it again. Verse 36, patient endurance is what you need now. Everybody say patient endurance what is endurance is endurance thank you jesus for this happy meal that was amazing love that i got saved see you in heaven why would jesus tell us to endure to the end to be saved i'm not preaching a works-based doctrine because you can't even do the works until jesus does a work inside you do we understand that church You are not even capable, except that you can do good things, but they're not good. They're just good by some person's standard. In order to do Jesus things, because that's the only thing good, Jesus has to be in you. So it's not a works doctrine, but nonetheless, Jesus tells us, endure to the end and be saved. And here we see again in Hebrews 10, very similar to what Jesus told us himself. Come on. Jesus told us, and now Corinthians tells us, and Hebrews tells us, patient endurance is what you need now. You're going to have to endure. For in just a little while, like, actually, let me continue. I don't want to skip ahead because it's so important. So that you will, what's that word? Continue. Everybody say, Continue. What does that mean, that word continue? Again, it's an English lesson. (laughs) Continue means something that you already were doing or already done. You've already believed this. You already know it. Enduring makes sense. These connect together. This is pretty obvious and pretty clear. Okay, endurance, something I need to endure means I've already been doing it, need to keep going. Continue means I need to keep continuing. Uh, I welcomed it then, I'm welcoming now, 1 Corinthians, right? And so he says, so that you will continue to do God's will. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he promised. Everybody say then. Another conditional word here. Everybody say then. Then. So you come to Christ and say, I give you my life. From that very moment, know this church, and it doesn't matter how long you've been with him. The moment you get lax about that, the moment you put your word down, the moment you say, I don't, I don't really need the church to be a Christian, the moment you start surrounding yourself with secular music and secular movies and the world all the time and not believers, The devil is already on the scene. He's going to start crushing you. Before you know it, there is no endurance. There's no continuing. There's no, the if is now gone. Because it says then. Everybody say then. Come on, church. I'm here because I love you to preach this message. I'm preaching it to myself just as equally. The Lord gave me, he told me this he said that scripture to my own heart first. before I came and preached it to you, he said, "Adam, you need patient endurance." I said, "I know that verse, went and looked it up, told me that first. So what I'm preaching to you, he's telling me too. I'm not here just telling you. I'm telling you that the Lord loves us and because He loves us and doesn't want us to get us to go astray. Come on, the whole Bible is people going astray. That's the whole Bible. Over and over and over again, they go astray, go astray, go astray, go astray. Jesus was not some sudden golden ticket, happy meal. Jesus said, I'm going to put some distance between you and Satan. I'm going to stand in the gap between you and him. He's not going to influence you as easily. If you're going to stay close, you stay close to me. He's not going to touch you, in fact. You're going to have to stay in me. I'm gonna take you all the way till eternity and I have many rewards for you. I wouldn't have told you if I didn't mean it. That's what he says. But you gotta stay with me. Come on, did you give your life to Jesus? Anybody here give your life to Jesus? Anybody here? (laughs) Not give their life to Jesus. If you gave your life to Jesus, you gave it. You cannot give it, then take it back again. So what the devil does is he says, oh, you gave your life? Let me trick you into thinking you gave your life. Come on. And just get you to live a, such a mediocre nothing. Come on. No Christianity life, but we're Christian. So far that eventually you're like, wow. Wow. Come on, who has turned around at times in your life? Come on, the thing is, the Lord lets us go to those places on purpose so that this sermon can make sense. Who's gone to that place in your life where actually you go, wow, I can't believe I've fallen this far. I can't believe I ran this far from you, God. Has anybody ever gotten to that place and says, I want to come back? And he takes you back. That You know, before you can even finish breathing those words out, the Lord's already taken you back. You don't even have to say the words, just your heart and your mouth is getting ready to say those words, just breathe them out and he's already done it. And I'm just gonna close with this because it says, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. He says, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away you know this is so interesting? You know, we, you've heard it quoted if you're a Christian your whole life, right? The just the just shall live by faith, right? Has anybody ever heard the just shall live by faith? Anybody ever heard it connected to the verse that it's within? The just shall live by faith, it says, New King James, right? If that's the verse you've known, right? If you've known more traditional texts, it's the just, not the righteous, the same word really from Greek to English. But the just shall live by faith, and it says in New King James, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Do you know that's what it means to have faith? Keep moving forward towards God. I'm, I took a step towards him once. I'm just going to keep walking in that direction. And, and it says, my, if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The verse explains itself. Faith is moving forward. He wouldn't have told us about drawing back right after faith if it wasn't directly tied to what faith is. Right? Faith is so, that's why it can be a mustard seed. It can be so tiny. It's so nothing because in the beginning you're like, I don't know anything about this God. All I know is I like what I'm hearing. Something in my spirit says, I need this Jesus. That's it. It was so unfilled with the word and so unfilled with like wisdom and knowledge and the greatness of who God is we learn those things but at first we're just like i like this jesus and i i want this jesus and in so little so all it was was a step forward i'm just going to step off and i'm going to believe you i'm just going to step for i believe i believe i believe you that's it and you know the moment that we draw back We're all, listen, it's that simple. I don't know that I believe what I used to believe. We're drawing back, losing our faith. And that's what Jesus warned us. I just, hopefully this sermon got into your heart. I don't, I could keep going, but I don't want to keep you for any more times, a long time. So let's just pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much. Plant this word down deep in our hearts, Lord, and encourage us Lord, to grow, to keep growing and never stop pursuing you, Lord. You are looking to be found and there is so much more of you to be found, Lord, but even greater than us knowing you, Lord. And how could there be anything greater? But Lord, is when we give then what you have put inside of us, Lord, when we truly let you out of us, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. And then we'll know you in a way that we never knew you before. But I thank you, Lord, you're faithful to get, our hearts right, to get us pure and clean, Lord, because you don't want a tainted light going into the world, Lord. That causes more harm than good. I just thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work inside of us, and Lord, that we would let you out of us into this world, Lord, that we would continue believing every step of the way. And I thank you, Lord, God, that you have drawn us here. You've called us together. You put us together, Lord. You put this body together, And I thank you, Lord, that we're not leaving, Lord, your body. We're not running, Lord, away. Lord, we are staying put in the kingdom. We're staying put in your word. We're staying put with the brothers and sisters you put us together with, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, that there is protection there, the blood of Jesus there. Lord, your angels to watch over this church, Lord, wherever they're going and going to and from, Lord, that you would watch over this body in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.